Well, good morning. Good to have you all with us this day, and we are delighted to be together in the house of the Lord to worship our God. And uh, we have a few announcements as we get started, so if you have your bulletins, go ahead and take those out. As always, there's a tear-off portion uh, right here on the back of your bulletins. Tear that off if you're a guest, fill that out and put it in the offering plate as it goes by. And any questions or concerns or needs you may have from the church, we'd love to share more with you about how you can be involved. And then on the other side, on the decision side, the yellow side, is a place for prayer requests. Encourage you, as always, to put prayer requests. I did not see too many that were pray that it's not cold, but we had a little stretch there, didn't we? That was, that was that worked. Uh, so anyway, put those prayer requests on there. We'll pray for you on Tuesdays at our staff time. On the back is our opportunities for the week. We have a nice busy week, I guess weather pending, as Tim mentioned earlier. But tonight we do have our encounter service, RAs, GAs, Mission Friends, Children's Choirs, as well as Ensemble. They are on tonight. Yes, Ensemble, yes. ensemble uh, and Bells and Youth. So come out tonight. We would love to see you involved in our Sunday evening activities here at Mechanicsville Baptist. And then this week, uh, for Monday and Thursday, we've begun our rec ministry. And so Monday and Thursday nights, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are or how good you are. If you are interested in volleyball or basketball, come out from 7 to 9. Mondays are volleyball in the FLC, 7 to 9, and we're trying to get some interest together to get some teams and some more games to be played. But the more people that come, the better time we'll have. So 7 o'clock Mondays is volleyball, and then 7 o'clock on Thursdays is basketball. So just come and be prepared to play, and uh, we encourage you to bring friends, bring people who don't, maybe don't have a church home. Come and enjoy the nights with us. Uh, this Wednesday, we have our Wednesday night supper. Barbecue is this week. Connect groups, Awana's youth uh, as well. And then our business meeting is this Wednesday at 6.15. We need 40, so we don't know what the weather's going to do, but 40 is what we need. If we are open and on, we'd love 40 to be there to have that, that business meeting. And then on Saturday is our goal ball event. If you've, you were not there for the first one, this is a opportunity for our uh, involvement with Children who are blind, and they come from all over the state, who come in the sport. It's called goalball, and we do it in the FLC, and we're trying to get everyone to come and, and enjoy this event with them, get to, to know some of these athletes, and uh, we're going to try to form a relationship with them, do some ministry things with them in the future, as well as having a lunch that follows uh, on Saturday. So please come out at 9.30 a.m. This, this Saturday for our goalball event in the FLC. Um, All right, we've got two more announcements, and we'll have Sandra, and then Karen, and then I will come back. Um, I just wanted to make the ladies aware that we are meeting this Tuesday at 1030, since last Tuesday was too icy to chance coming out. So all women, whether you've been or not, Please make this a New Year's resolution that you're going to try it out if you haven't. And for all the church family, I want to make you aware of a church-wide mission project that the women on mission have already begun. We, um, as a referral from Sally Klein, have been making donations to the Richmond Pregnancy Center, which is near Willow Lawn. And so we decided in our last meeting to open it up to all of you. So in the touchstone, um, as soon as Jean can fit my lengthy um, list, there are things that are most urgently needed, baby items of all kinds, sizes are listed, of what they most need now. And it will change from month to month, and when changes occur, I'll let you know. Now, where are you going to put these if you choose to serve God in this way? Rather than um, clutter the hallways, in the John Bryant room where we meet, I have, or will be putting up this Tuesday, a big red bin on the back table, and it's labeled Donations to Richmond Pregnancy Center. So you can't miss it, and when that gets filled up, then I'll know it's time to make a delivery. 
So I just wanted to let you know about this wonderful opportunity to um, help women with unexpected pregnancies. And this center ministers to them in a spiritual way, trying to help them decide to keep their child, their gift from God. Thank you. It's Operation Christmas Child Time. Happy New Year. Another year, another opportunity to share the love of Jesus with girls and boys around the world. 11 million shoe boxes were distributed by Samaritan's Purse in 2018. 344 of those shoe boxes came from this church. Thank you. Have you been praying for those boys and girls who are receiving your boxes? I hear some of our shoe boxes went to Ghana because you know if you make your shipping donation online, then you get a special little label to put on your box, and then you get an email that tells you where your box went, and that is most exciting. We will start 2018 by collecting... Gloves and scarves and hats and earmuffs. Um, a wonderful time of year to, to find deals on those so that we can have plenty for all of the shoe boxes we'll be packing in November. It was interesting that you mentioned where you would find collection places. Um, there will still be a small collection box in the foyer of the um, sanctuary. But also down the stairs on that line of Sunday school rooms, there's an empty classroom closest to this door on the right. Um, and that's where your big box will be to put in your big bags of hats and gloves and scarves. All year, that's where your collection box will be. Um, wonderful stories found on online and in newsletters that you receive from Samaritan's Purse. And don't you love it when you see pictures of the children holding up favorite items? I always look to say, oh, I put one of those in my box. Or I look and go, oh, what a good idea. I think I'll get one of those for my box next year. And wonderful stories that lift your heart, such as the, um, the 12-year-old who graduated from the Greatest Journey, which is the discipleship program that is offered to each child when they receive their shoebox. Um, he was 12 years old, and he was given his testimony at their graduation. It was a powerful sermon, and 200 people came to know Jesus that day because of this child, because of that shoebox. May God bless you as you take part in this ministry. Thank you. Good morning. Uh-oh. Good, Good morning. That's much better. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Psalm 24, 8. Okay, so would you turn in your hymnals to page 64 really quick. If you don't need the hymnals, we're going to do What Am I to Be God We Serve, and you know me, you're going to have to stand up. So when your hymnals are out and about and you're ready, I want you to stand up. Come on. Come on. I know it's cold outside, but let's make it warm in here with our voices. Now, we're going to start singing, but I want you to turn to somebody and shake their hand and say, What a mighty God we serve. Can you do that and sing at the same time? Yep. Turn, greet somebody. What a mighty God we serve. Oh, that chatter's warming it up. Keep going. Oh, that's pretty good. You can do better. What am I? 
Thank you. Amen. You may be seated. John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the command in which you give us is to love, and that the love in which we are to live out is from you, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have first loved us, and we thank you that we are your disciples. God, may we follow you, may we glorify you, and may we go where you go, and may we love in the great name of Jesus. God, this hour we give you this service. May your uh, love compel us, may your truth uh, be spoken to us, and may your Holy Spirit be amongst us as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. We're going to continue to sing about God's love. If you will stand and sing page 172, Love Divine, All Love's Excelling, page 172. an insert for our responsive reading today, if you take that out from your bulletin, and 
I will lead the, read the light portion, and together you will read the darker portion. It's called The Love of God, God's Word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We're going to continue singing and praising God this morning through the song Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, page 446 in your hymnal. If you'll please stand as we sing, page 446. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, oh what a so good I'd like to take a minute now to thank him and to recognize my mom and dad as today is 62 years of marriage 
not 32, not 42, not 52, 62 years. All praise be to God for 62 years. It's amazing how God can take the ordinary, an ordinary man and woman, I hope I don't get in trouble for that by saying that, and he has done such extraordinary things through him. I'd just like to thank him and thank mom and dad, for they were married 30 years when um, I was born. Do your math on that one. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you this day to lift your name on high, for we humbly bow down to you, Almighty King, and recognize you as the one true living God. Thank you, Father, for taking the ordinary and doing the extraordinary. As we bring to you this time, out of our love for you, our tithes and our offerings, we pray for the ordinary to be extraordinary, that you may use it to further your kingdom, Father, to share the good news of Christ with those within the church, in our community, and in our nation. For we pray all these things in the name above all names, Christ Jesus. Amen.
Shall we pray? Eternal God, creator in every good and every perfect gift, into your presence we bow on this day that you have given to us. Thankful for the opportunity to gather in your house. Praying, Father, for those who could not be with us today because of illness or injury. For those who are homebound because of circumstances in their lives. We pray for them. And ask, Father, that you work in their lives to bring healing and hope as only you can. It's very difficult, Father, as we journey through life sometimes to acknowledge your presence. Because we are so caught up in our day-to-day activities and circumstances that we fail to recognize that it is by your grace that we are sustained to this very moment. We're grateful, Father, that we have this place to come to that is warm. And yet, Father, we know that there are people even at this moment who are homeless, who are faced with being in the bitter cold. And so we pray for them. We pray, Father, that if there is something that we can do, that we would be willing to do it. We're grateful, Father, for the Christmas shoeboxes and for the opportunity to provide for the needs of children around the world. Even on this day, Father, as we think of gathering hats and gloves and scarves for them, we know that there may be some child cold somewhere in the world. Not only cold, Father, but also hungry. And so we pray, Father, that as we listen to your word, that we might put your word into practice in our lives and reach out to people in need. We're grateful for our missionaries, Father, who serve around the world, who make us aware sometimes of these great needs of hunger and housing. We're thankful for their willingness to go and for their work among the people. May their light shine in such a way, Father, that others will see Jesus in them. May our light shine in this community so that others will see Jesus in us. We're thankful, Father, for this country and we pray for our leaders. We pray, Father, that you would encourage them to make the right decisions at the right time. We pray for peace. And yet we know, Father, that peace comes in our hearts as we give ourselves to Jesus. May that peace be shared with the world. We're thankful, Father, for the love shown to us through Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Rock, a 
Turn to 1 Peter this morning and we pick up at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. I know the bulletin says 23, but that was a miscommunication or a typo. But it is verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1 through verse 12 of chapter 2 under the heading, Living Seriously as God's People. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot." He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart." having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. 
coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who weren't once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may be by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Irony seems to be a hallmark of the 21st century. We live in one of the most serious eras of history. But it seems like the most common items in social media are amusing cats, endearing dogs, and people caught in the act of being silly. On the other end of the social spectrum are the virtual battles of ideology. Both sides express themselves angrily, but when they post juvenile animations that call into question whether they are really about their positions or not. In the meantime, like the people of Peter's day, people are being killed for their faith. Wars rage that supersede geopolitical boundaries, making counteroffensives difficult as terrorists blend into local communities. The global economy appears shaky as stock prices traditionally ride the roller coaster of each news cycle. We truly live in grim times. Christians, though, have good news that this bipolar world needs. But do we take our roles and our opportunities seriously? For that matter, do we view God seriously? Is He really Lord of our lives, guiding each decision and empowering each action in our day? If God's people are serious about Christ, we probably will not be given much credibility when we try to speak in a world that urgently needs Him. Like athletic teams playing on rivals' fields. Believers must be serious about living the Christian life in a culture that opposes us and Christ. Peter's letter shows how we can approach the challenge with positive anticipation. Because of the hostile environment, we need to apply serious attitudes not only to survive, but also to serve as witnesses. Peter says to us in verse 13 that we need to be serious about hope. Every part of the believer's life connects with Jesus Christ. With a single word, therefore, this passage ties what is about to be said about the believer with what had already been said about Christ. Peter started his letter with assurance for the hurting saints through the power and mercy of the Messiah. Verse 13, though, calls the church to live seriously in Christ's victory through virtuous living. Peter always calls us back to the place where it begins for us, and that is in our relationship to Jesus Christ. You will see that throughout all of the epistles. There's always this call to go back to what is most important. And that is our relationship to Jesus Christ. And everything we do builds from that relationship. If God's grace has saved us in the past, it will keep us saved in the future. 
The believer's hope in the face of persecution lay in the grace they had received in Jesus. And that would be brought to them more fully at his revelation when he comes again. They could not trust in their religious heritage or works, but place their hope completely on God's grace. Yet they should not carelessly presume on Christ's grace and locks to lifestyles that did not reflect his holy life. Peter warns that if we are to be the people of Christ, we must be the people of Christ. God's grace does not mean we can live however we want, but that we are free to live for him in holiness. Peter urges the believers, to be self-disciplined by getting their minds ready for action. Christianity has never succeeded by being passive in the face of a cynical society. The grace of Christ never intended to release believers from active participation in His mission to this world. We are to be proactive by preparing our minds for action. Peter was not advocating mere positive thinking, but the kind of mental preparedness that soldiers need for battle or athletes require for competition. Peter said that if we are to be his people in the world, Christ's people in the world, we must go in the world prepared. One of the difficulties for so many people as they deal with tragedy and persecution and uh, trials and tribulations and all of those things that plague us as human beings is we're not prepared for the battle because we've never completely come to terms with what God has done for us in Christ through His grace. But Peter wants us to know that it's because of our faith God raised Christ. And He will raise us. But he says, if we are to be the people that God would have us to be in a society that is counter to Christianity, that we must be serious about holiness. And he describes this for us in verses 14 through 22. Why should we live in holiness? Peter encouraged them to be like obedient children in their desire to follow in their Lord's pattern. He held out the example of Jesus who was fully holy and who was with them. And because Jesus was fully holy, they should be holy. Not merely in their spiritual activities, but in all of their conduct. They should be holy because our Lord is holy. We cannot achieve... Jesus' sinless perfection in this lifetime. However, the word holy refers to being set apart. In verse 2, Peter said, The Holy Spirit had sanctified them or set them apart for God. This call to holiness put forth the expectation that they should demonstrate their new status in Christ. They could not live like they had before receiving Christ. Rather, they were to reflect his life in theirs. Quoting Leviticus chapter 11 verse 44, Peter laid out the basis for his admonition. To say it is written carried more weight than Peter's personal advice. If it were written in the setting that he said it, it was the word of God. Their conduct should be holy because Christ is holy. And also because God's word demands his children to be holy to reflect his nature. We are to live a life that is set apart from the world. He will say to us later in this passage that we are sojourners in a foreign land. Because of our relationship to Jesus Christ. Because our lives are redeemed, we are to live in a way that honors the Father. We should conduct ourselves with reverence. Flippant words and frivolous deeds belie the seriousness of the grace we received in Christ. Although our sojourn in this world is like staying in a temporary residence, what we do while we are in that temporary residence reflects on our Father. If we live in an unholy way, we give unsaved people cause to disrespect and deny Him. 
You know how it is when you check into a hotel room and the room is not right because someone that was there before you left a mess and then it wasn't cleaned up. And that reflects poorly on that whole hotel, doesn't it? Particularly if you went in contracted to believe that that room would be in order and everything would be as it should be. And I have horror stories, and you do too probably, of hotels that you've checked into. But that is a poor reflection on what the expectation is. And so we see here that what Peter is saying, that when we are in this temporary residence, and indeed it is temporary... Because he tells us very clearly that our lives are much like fields of grass. They're here and they wither away. And so we see in this passage of scripture what he is trying to get across to us is in our temporary residence we are to do what the Father would have us do. And what we do in our temporary residence reflects on him. How can we live in holiness though? We demonstrate our seriousness concerning salvation by our response to daily life. God initiated redemption by sending Jesus to die and rise again. And so Peter encourages us to purify ourselves. Love emerges from a pure heart. Christian love emerges from the love of Christ and cannot be faked. The word translated purified contains two concepts, making clean and setting apart or sanctifying. Genuine love is free of impurities. Through Christ, we embrace the power of His blood to cleanse our hearts so we might truly love Him and love one another. And Peter is not the only one who picks up on the theme of love, is he? John picked up on that theme and Paul picked up on the theme as well because 1 Corinthians 13 is very clear about how we are to love and how important love is in our relationships. Because Paul said you could have it all figured out and if you don't have love, nobody will hear what you're saying. They won't be able to understand it. And John says they'll know who you are They will know you are Christians because of the love you have for one another. Love is essential to our understanding of our relationship in the world. He goes on to tell us to obey the truth. One way we show our obedience to the truth is by loving one another. The syntax of 1 Peter 1 verses 22 and 23 provides an important combination of several vital principles relating to love as part of our obedience to the truth. But then he reiterates again that we are to love one another. The basis of loving one another rests in our salvation. We love because we were first loved. Peter wrote that we should love one another because you have been born again. We cannot claim to take our salvation seriously without exhibiting this quality in our relationships with one another. John also embraced this principle by pointing out that anyone who has the light of Christ will exhibit the love of Christ. People who say they are born again but hate other believers remain in darkness and there's no excuse it does not matter what someone else may have done to you or said about you or a way someone has treated you if you have hate in your heart for that person you don't have the love of God because our prime example is Jesus isn't it look what Jesus endured for us look how he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of a cross. And it was all because of his love for us. He who knew no sin bore our sin. Notice Peter uses the term one another as the object of Christian love. He did not reserve love. He did not reserve love for a certain group, but for all parts of Christ's body the church. And in verses 1 through 12, 
he tells us to be serious about the household of God. God desires his children become conformed to the image of his only begotten son, Jesus. Sanctification is the process by which we grow increasingly like our Savior. If we are serious about this process, we need to rid ourselves of evil characteristics and take on the qualities of Christ by the power of his Spirit. Peter is big into the Spirit, isn't he? He begins his letter talking about the Spirit. Why do you think Peter is so big on the Spirit? Go back to Acts, right? Peter was present on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit came upon them. He understands the power of the Spirit to teach and to transform the life of believers. We are built on the chief cornerstone. Our house is built on Christ, a cornerstone unlike any other, for he is a living stone. Although people rejected him, he was chosen and valuable to God. We are built up in him since we are living stones, made part of God's household in Christ. We know that the foundation to any building is important. The foundation is what we build on, and Jesus said uh, through Peter... As we read Peter, and Jesus used the example of the house on the rock and the house on the sand. You remember the story. How that the man who built his house on the rock, when the storm came, it endured the storm. The man on the sand, the storm came and his house washed away. And we sing the little children's song that goes with that. So this is not new in understanding. Peter is saying that your relationship to Christ is foundational to anything else that will develop as you journey through life. It's essential to have that relationship straight. I've told you this story before, but, and I didn't tell it in the first service, but I'm going to tell you, remind you of this. Uh, in Buena Vista, there are two houses. I grew up in that area, you know, of the state. There are two houses that were built, I think, on what was a drained pond. And it's quite a tourist attraction when I take people up there because I like to go up. I think it's on Forest Avenue. I can't remember, but I can take you right to it and I can see it. And these two houses each are are ranch-style houses with carports on each end. And the carports face one another. And what's happened over the years is those houses have collapsed in like this. And people still live in them. So anywhere you go in the house, you're either going uphill or downhill if you look at them. You really are. It would help to have one leg longer than the other when you were standing still. I mean, that's how severe this is. We need to get a bus up one day and go up there so you can see them. I've actually taken the church bus up there before and shown it to people because it's so fascinating. The people probably would run me off with a stick if they knew what I was doing because they're stuck with those houses. Because who's going to buy a house that was built on a foundation that's sinking? Who would do that? And so Peter said, get your priorities straight. Build your life on the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. And then you will have the foundation to do what is necessary to reach others for Christ. A stone of stumbling, Peter said, that this cornerstone is to some of the Jews. For the unbelieving person, Christ is a different kind of stone. He is the one the builders rejected. Peter used Isaiah's prophecy to point out the error of the Jewish leaders who refused to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus was rejected by men, even by his own people. Instead of a firm foundation stone, Jesus was a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. Unbelievers stumbled because they disobeyed the message referring to the gospel of Christ. The second quotation from Isaiah re-emphasized Israel's tragic error. Paul also used this verse from Isaiah to condemn the Jewish leaders who rejected Jesus. Jesus was a rock of offense to the disobedient. On the other hand, people who believe the gospel message and receive Jesus as Savior joyously participate in their new identities in Christ. And Peter used four descriptions to encourage disheartened disciples in their time of persecution. He said they were a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, A people, a peculiar people in some translations, but a people for his possession. So let's look at those just briefly. We are a chosen generation. 
This first phrase emphasized that both Jewish and Gentile Christians were part of the same race, although they came from different ethnicities. They had been chosen in Christ to be part of God's family. God's grace chooses us. And then he said, we are a royal priesthood. The second descriptor sounds similar to Peter's earlier comment in verse 5 about believers being made part of a holy priesthood. The phrase royal priesthood combined two ideas also employed by John who said Christ has made us in Revelation 1-6 a kingdom of priests. The battered believers could lift their heads above any indignities the pagan world heaped on them. They were part of the royal family of the king of kings. And moreover, they were members of a royal priesthood, fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy that God's people would be made priests of the Lord. And the third descriptor that descriptor that Peter uses is we are a holy nation. Although these disciples of the dispersion were like strangers wandering in foreign lands, God has made them a holy nation. God first offered the role to Israel. Through Moses, he told them in Exodus 19.6, You will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. Sadly, Israel failed to fulfill its potential by rejecting the Lord and by following the false gods of other nations, rejecting the Christ. In their place, God raised up a new nation that would be holy, set apart for himself in Christ. We are God's people in Christ. And then we are a people for His possession. As God's holy nation, believers of all generations comprise a people for His possession. God created Israel to be a people that would show forth His praise. Christians enjoy this status in order to proclaim the praises of the Lord. Just as God required Israel to keep His covenant and obey His commands, even so we must be faithful for we are His possession. We are bought with a price. And that price was the price of His Son's life. God has called you out of the darkness of sin and brought you into His marvelous light. The contrast of darkness and light was the first of three comparisons Peter used to emphasize the importance of glorifying God. Before Christ, they were not a people. But in Him, they had become God's people. Without Christ, they had received, they had not received mercy. But in Him they had received mercy. So even though they were confounded on all sides and persecuted in all ways as they were dispersed over Asia Minor, they were still God's people and a nation created by Him. Returning to his earlier metaphor, Peter could urge the church to abstain from fleshly desires because they were strangers and exiles. They no longer belonged to this world, but had become God's people. Therefore, as Christians, we should embrace God's process of sanctification and reject those impulses that war against us. Peter commanded the believers to conduct themselves honorably so that others could see Jesus in their lives. His use of the phrase among the Gentiles supports the idea that he was writing to Jewish Christians scattered across Asia Minor. However, the term Gentiles also was a general reference to non-believers. Peter was encouraging the believers to act in such a way that those who were not yet Christians would glorify God as they observed the good works of those who were. You see the significance of people watching? What we do matters. What we say matters. How we treat others matters. Concluding this section... Peter warned of the day of visitation referring to God's coming judgment. This theme can also be seen in the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah because every person will stand before God's judgment. Each of us must be serious about our sanctification. By submitting to God in each area of life, we cooperate with His Spirit so that the day of visitation results in the glorification of our Lord. We are chosen, Peter says, by God in Christ. 
And Peter encourages us to live as a chosen people through God's mercy and through God's grace. We cannot endure if we're not willing to allow God to use us set apart in His service in a world that needs the message of salvation. It's the only hope for the world. And it's up to God's people. As Peter would remind them, in all circumstances, whatever you are facing, to live a sanctified, holy life so that others can see the light of Christ in you. Peter has good words for us, words of challenge, words that give to us hope in the midst of the storm, but words that also can convict if we're not willing to allow God to use us for His glory. Shall we pray? Gracious An eternal God, we are all products of your mercy. And so we pray, Father, that as we receive your grace and mercy, that our lives would be set apart in service to you. For indeed, we are called to be your people wherever we are, under all circumstances so that others can receive the glorious grace that we have received through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our invitation hymn is number 391. We are called to be God's people. And certainly Peter has shown us in the latter part of chapter 1 and into chapter 2 that we are called to be God's people under all circumstances. If we are not reaching people for Christ, then we are not living as the people of God. Because we are called to be His people. The invitation is open to anyone who would receive Christ and His grace. Wherever you are, ask yourself, Am I truly the servant of the Master that I should be? Will you stand as we sing?
Charles Sprouse comes this morning wishing to unite with this fellowship of believers. He's been attending for quite some time now. He comes from another congregation and he comes to us on his statement of faith. Uh, I know that you want to affirm that by saying amen. Amen. So we're delighted to have you, Charles, and we'll get some more information from you so we can get a file on you. We like a file on everybody. Uh, You stay up front here and let them greet you. Will you do that so that the people can greet you? I'm delighted that you've come to be a part of our fellowship. Um, I want to remind you of something because I don't think it's in the newsletter this week. Um, On Wednesday, uh, Dwight announced, you know, we have our Wednesday activities. And part of those Wednesday activities will be um, business meeting. We need 40 for business meeting. But the weatherman is playing with us again. And so I'm not sure what the weather's going to be. But here is our policy. And we like to stick with our policy because if we don't, we don't really have a policy, okay? Okay. If Henrico County Schools, first thing I'm going to say, open late, we will be here on Wednesday night, okay? If Henrico County Schools close early or are closed for the day, we won't have anything here, okay? Because that we go by Henrico, and people ask me that all the time. That was a policy before I came, okay? But it makes sense because of where we're located in Hanover County that we would follow the Henrico system because our weather pattern fits what they do better than what they do in Beaver Dam, okay? So that's why we wanted to do it that way. So I just wanted to clear that up. If you have any questions, certainly you can call, but look at Henrico County Schools. That's our policy during the week, not on the weekend. That's entirely different, but during the week, we follow Henrico County Schools, okay? So I did that little sermonette in the first service as well, trying to clear that up for you because I know it can be confusing. Thank you for being a part of this service today. It's not as cold this Sunday as it was last Sunday. And so I'm glad that you've come to be a part of this service today. Uh, Let's close with a benediction. Gracious and eternal God, as we depart today, we do so recognizing, Father, that we have a job to do. And that job, Father, is to be your people in the world as we have received your grace. I pray, Father, that you will bless us as we depart keeping us ever mindful that your grace is what sustains us today and forevermore. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.